a lesson in punctuality, perhaps. Listen, no, DK and Ramon are not rubbing off on us. No, this is not the start of a new trend. I think once every 121 episodes or so, we're not often that late. Once maybe every 40 or 60 is yeah. maybe okay. Yeah, Hi, everybody. Hi, everybody. Welcome to the South Side Beat. Corey could be painting his nails. No, not today. We cleaned them off. We cleaned them off. Actually, we were uh, doing a, we had a family event over the weekend, and uh, uh, there was some makeup put on, but those pictures do not need to be shown or seen over here. We need two milk cartons today. Man, man, you guys, you guys are ruthless. You guys are brutal today. <laughs> you guys are brutal today. <laughs> Welcome to the South Side Beat. Yeah, a couple minutes late, but that happens. On Wednesday, February 21st, 2024, he's Chris Halleck. I'm Corey Chris, and sometimes life gets in the way. That's the moral of today's story. Uh, it's very true. Yeah, so we'll, we'll just leave it at that. Uh, the week before the NFL Combine kicks off, officially now, I guess, six days from this point, as Omar Khan will be speaking on Tuesday out in Indianapolis, uh, a couple of personnel moves, important ones, mm -hmm. have been made. And namely surrounding Mike Sullivan. Now, with Arthur Smith being hired to become the new offensive coordinator for the Steelers, it was questioned of what is Mike Sullivan going to be doing? What is Mike Sullivan's role going to be? Does Mike Sullivan, and not the Penguins Mike Sullivan, that's a different show, that's a different, whoo, <laughs> that's a different everything there. Oh, goodness, goodness. Um what is Mike Sullivan's role with the Steelers? The, the quarterbacks coach turned interim offensive coordinator, uh, turned interim play caller, you know, turned whatever developer of Kenny Pickett you want to use the term as. And as of right now, as of today, uh, he has been, I don't know if I can call it promotion, demotion. He has been moved to a senior offensive assistant role. Uh, this is according to the team website itself. Of course, they don't typically announce these kind of things. Um, but there were some moves made today within the coaching staff, and we'll get to the other ones here uh, shortly. But Mike Sullivan uh, is the big one. He's staying on board. He is staying as a member of Arthur Smith's staff. Surely mm -hmm. that'll help usher in the process of getting Arthur Smith acclimated into Pittsburgh. But I found that pretty interesting as it came across the wire today, solely for the fact of, again, when – Mike Tomlin and Art Rooney said, we're looking outside for a coordinator. You know, did it feel like the writing was on the wall for Mike Sullivan and he's staying? Yeah, it's, uh, I mean, obviously, you know, Mike Sullivan, you know, tested the waters and um, I don't think, uh, I, I don't think the Steelers were 100% um, committed to bringing Mike Sullivan back. I think that's one of the reasons why he was going on interviews for OC jobs. Uh, he was in the running for the Saints job and for the Raiders job. Um, obviously, did not get either one. Um, and so, with that, you know, happening, and it was around the time that we were learning that um, either Pat Meyer was staying on or Eddie Faulkner was staying on. I can't remember when, but uh, it all runs together. Uh, Mike Sullivan was. Uh, it was being talked about that Mike Sullivan would be retained, but once. Obviously, Tom Arth was hired as quarterbacks coach. We knew it was going to be in a different role. And so what what does that role look like? I, I didn't see him taking a demotion to like an assistant quarterbacks coach or something like that. So this this senior offensive assistant is kind of a new 
a, a new role that we really, I mean, we kind of saw something similar with Brian Flores, you know, mm-hmm. um, you know, before um, I, I'm, I'm interested to see, you know, what this is going to look like, you know, how exactly this is going to take place. And this will be a, a question more from Mike Tomlin, you know, during the owners meetings, uh, which I'll be there for. And I'm sure that'll be a topic, a topic that comes up during the conversation. Um, you know, just kind of, you know, obviously it, it, it helps with the transition, you know, when you're, when you're talking about implementing a new system, you know, which obviously Arthur Smith will do that. Um, that doesn't mean that you're not going to use one ounce of anything from the old system. There are going to be concepts that were, in the old system that, oh, by the way, Arthur Smith, Arthur Smith just happens to run the same concept, but he just kind of has his own little flavor on it. And so mm-hmm. um, there are there's going to be some and, and like Mike Sullivan's coached in, in a number of different systems. He's going to know, um, you know, he's he's going to be there to help be a voice for Kenny if Kenny is the guy and also Mason Rudolph, too, because, you know, Mike Sullivan was also Mason Rudolph's quarterbacks uh, coach. So um, if, if it is Kenny and, and, and Mason, um, that'll be a, a guy that kind of has, you know, you have some continuity there. It's still going to be a new system. Don't worry. This is not going to be old. The Steelers <laughs> are moving in a new direction, but not really. You know, it's not anything like that. It's just somebody to kind of help be a, to give Kenny and possibly Mason Rudolph some sort of, yeah, geez, seriously, man. Uh, just to give some sort of familiarity there so that it's not, Doing a complete overhaul and getting rid of everybody, and then bringing none of the and bringing none nobody back from the old system, and that's all new guys. That that's not as conducive as, as you think it is. And it doesn't seem like this is a situation where, to, lack of a better phrase here, where Sullivan could get in the way of Smith. This seems like something as more of an advisory role. This seems like something that's more eye in the sky, ten thousand foot view kind of thing. Um, unless, of course, direct involvement. You know, quarterbacks mm-hmm. coach has direct involvement. Offensive coordinator has obviously direct involvement. It's not that Mike Sullivan's just going to be sitting behind a computer for eight hours a day. That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is, and also, I don't think he's going to be like this huge figure in the offense either. No, he's not going to be Glenn Thomas, or at least what people thought Glenn Thomas actually was, uh, which is kind of like a almost like a glorified GA position. I can almost say, like that's what. This kind of is, if you want to put it in college football terms. Um, so that's what Mike Sullivan's going to be doing. Also, a few more hires. Uh, Matt Baker, offensive assistant. Uh, he's a former NFL quarterback himself. Uh, Roderick Moore is a sports science coordinator. And Justice Gallagher is assistant sports science coordinator. So all that sounds to me. And uh, yes, William brings up the hat. A couple of people brought up my hat. It is the Norfolk Tides, the AAA of the Orioles. They held a coffee promotion. And uh, you can get an iced coffee or a hot coffee hat. I got the hot coffee hat. Um, RGA's cut grass at work. Goodness, Darren. Um, no, they will not be mowing the lawn. Mike Sullivan will not be mowing the lawn. <laughs> um, so a few more a, a few more additions to the staff, too. Matt Baker, again, is an offensive assistant. Uh, Roderick Moore is a sports science coordinator. Justice Gallick as an assistant sports coordinator. And then the pride of Mercer County, Phil Mattis, Greenville Zone. Uh, shout out to Mercer County. That makes three now, I guess you could say four if you want to count. Uh, of course, Jeff Hathorne of the fan, uh, Mercer County personnel that are consistently inside that building, along with myself and Terrell Austin. So yeah. Phil Mattis, head strength and conditioning coach. He was with Boston College last year. Uh, of course, he's replacing a really longtime veteran in this organization. So a different change of direction there. So, yeah, some uh, some really, I guess, of course, important, but interesting staff hires to the point of 
where you have these sports science coordinators coming in and, you know, role to be determined. But that sounds like it's more nutrition, more analytics, more of that kind of stuff working with the strength staff. Yeah, I, I don't. Yeah, that, that's definitely going to be more more in that direction. Um, but I, I'm, I'm really curious to see that. I, I definitely am getting some different vibes from what this offensive staff is going to look like. Um, not only is Arthur Smith, the offensive coordinator, somebody who's uh, had success in multiple seasons as an offensive coordinator in this league, um, but then, you know, you look at, you know, a, a new quarterbacks coach, a new receivers coach, um, the, the only two real holdovers, uh, and yes, Mike Sullivan's a holdover, but the only two real holdovers in, in a, as in, in a major, you know, position coach role are Eddie Faulkner and Pat Meyer. And um, I think those are two guys who are, are, are worthy to be, to be held over. I think the writing was on the wall for Frisman Jackson. And I think, you know, when you bring in somebody like a Tom Arth, um, you know, to, you know, to be the new quarterbacks coach that, bre- that, 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 that signifies, okay, we need something different, you know, and, 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 Art Rooney the second was absolutely clear in saying we need better play, more quality play out of the quarterback position. And so um, it, it's not necessarily a, an indictment on Mike Sullivan. It just means that they needed a, a new voice, you know, to be that, to be that, that guy uh, liaison, if you will, between uh, the coordinator and the quarterback, uh, whoever the quarterback is, whether it's Kenny or Mason or whoever else. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I, I'm just, I'm, I'm really curious uh, to, to see how this, this dynamic is going to play out. We'll learn more about it, obviously a little bit uh, during uh, owners meetings when we talk to Mike Tomlin, but we'll really get a good look at it once training camp begins and we kind of see how, um, how the labor is split up, how players respond to those things. And of course, people like, you know, you and and me who like to talk to some of these coaches whenever they're not around cameras and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and don't forget, Omar Khan's going to be speaking Tuesday in yep. Indianapolis. So, you know, he's certainly going to, I'm sure, be asked about um, those happenings. Uh, he might defer a lot of those questions to Mike Tomlin though. Sure. Sure. I mean, that, I think Omar and uh, I think the, the, uh, while the, the, the Holy Trinity of the Steelers, if you will, um, you know, yeah. yeah, that they, they, um, I think they do a good job of, of, you know, kind of staying in their lanes when it comes to the, each of them, each of their own responsibilities, but also, being able to come together and make decisions. Mm-hmm. So uh, stuff like that, I'll definitely, I, I would definitely, I could definitely see Omar being like, I'll let Mike Tomlin talk about that kind of stuff. <laughs> uh, William said he wants to see the shirt too. Uh, it is an animal crossing shirt. Uh, Flicks bug off. It's a little reference from the video game, animal crossing. If anybody's familiar with uh, Dylan says, uh, Phil Mattis graduated a couple years ahead of him. That means you went to Greenville as well. I'm just trying to gauge what year that might have been, Dylan? So either drop if you want to if you want to out yourself of what year you graduated from Greenville or what year Phil graduated from Greenville, uh, just to give me an idea because I graduated from Kennedy up at Hermitage, so very familiar with the Greenville area up there, um, and of course uh, you know that area, Mercer County. Um, but yes, so these new these new coaching hires, you know, I think it was pretty foregone that there was going to be additions. Okay, 07. So that means. Couple years ahead of him would have been 05. I'm just trying to draw lineage because I might have had 
you know, people that went to school with him. Just trying to make connections here. Thank you, Dylan. Um, what was I going to say? Oh, I think it was pretty foregone that additions were going to be made to the staff, but it wasn't going to be anything significant in terms of, um, you know, there's going to be a co-defensive back or anything crazy like that. It would have been support staff. It would have been yeah. the people that report to the people that report to the people, so to speak. And I think this is a good move if there, if this sports science thing is what it sounds like. And it's more about the strength and conditioning and it's more about, you know, the, the nutrition aspect and the just off the field hydration and, and, and recovery aspect of the game and trying to make some more advances in the medicine department, if you will. Um, I'm all for it. I'm all for any kind of move they want to make, any kind of change they want to make to the staff because, you know, what they had last year, of course, with the coordinator firing, they had to change up so much within within that room in and of itself. But also, it was very clear. Like, Frisman Jackson was not going to be around. Mike Sullivan, we didn't know if he was going to take a coordinator job elsewhere or if he just wouldn't be retained. Uh, Eddie Faulkner, I think it was pretty easy to say that he was going to come back. Pat Meyer, it felt that he was going to come back. So, like, there's a lot of shift, especially in the offensive staff. And when your offense is one of the worst in the NFL – you have to make changes to that side of yeah. the ball within 100%. the coaching staff. Yeah. Yeah. They're, they're, whenever I, I, this is really as Mike Tomlin kind of putting his money where his mouth is. And, and, you know, that's saying we can't keep doing the same thing over and over and expecting different results. You know, they, they needed to make changes on offense. Um, and <laughs> Sullivan in charge of Tomlin's challenge flags. Hey, you know what? Who, say, who says that he won't be? I mean, mm-hmm. I, who, you never know. Um, but they definitely needed to make changes. They've made changes. Um, you know, some of those changes might not be exactly what fans wanted, but um, you know, I, I still think that overall these are these are positive changes. Over, you know, uh, overall you can nitpick it. You know, maybe Arthur Smith wasn't the exact right guy, or maybe you would have liked to see somebody other than Pat Myers, offensive line coach, or whatever else. But you could you could kind of nitpick at some stuff, but they, they definitely have made changes. Um, I, I wouldn't go as far as to say sweeping changes, but significant changes, you know, uh, you know, you still got some holdovers, but you've got plenty of new blood uh, on that side of the ball. And uh, that's why I, I I'm, I'm really, really curious to see how, how it'll work out. And obviously a lot's riding on it because the Steelers have to play better on offense. Um, it'll only help out the defense. Um, I think this defense will play much, much better, and it's already a, a good defense. Not a, not a great or one of the best in the league, but it's already a good defense. But that de- that good defense could become great if they don't have to play as many snaps. If they can stay healthy, um, it just it having a better offense makes everything better. It makes everything easier, um, especially on the defensive side of the ball, which is where the Steelers are really are going to have to be really, really good if they're going to have a chance in the AFC. Who said Mike Tomlin doesn't have a coaching tree? Look at Frisman Jackson going. I'm, I'm just I'm half joking. I'm half joking for the coaching treeers out there. Can I just can I, I just really quick? We don't have to get into a whole rant on this, but coaching trees are overrated, man. <laughs> you can they're, if you want. They really. I know. I Go don't ahead. Feel like, Be my I don't guest. Feel, I don't feel like getting into a rant right now. I, I went on the Deontay rant the other day. I'm, I'm good. <laughs> You didn't have to apologize um, for any of them. You could- oh, I didn't apologize for it at all. I'm just saying coaching <laughs> trees are overrated. Oh my goodness. I'm not uh, saying it's not the measure of a good coach if you if you if you have a a good coaching tree. That's not the measure of a bad coach if you don't have one. Here's an interesting measure. I think the I think the word you're looking for is potential. I think when you look at the defensive staff, 
you see Grady Brown, you see Denzel Martin, you see Aaron Curry, three guys that have bona fide potential to become defensive coordinators, maybe even head coaches one day if they work out really well as coordinators. Can't really say the same at this stage right now, at least, about the offensive side of the ball, about the offensive staff. And of course, bringing in a new receivers coach and having to change up the offensive coordinator and some personnel there. Like, I think potential is a, a credible thing to look at when it comes to, you know, okay, the coaching tree might be of the other side of that. But looking at Denzel Martin and Grady Brown and Aaron Curry, those are three guys right there where maybe if Terrell Austin's out after a couple seasons, one of those three guys slides in and is either Mike Tomlins or whoever the head coach is, is their defensive coordinator. I think that's a, I think that's a valid topic though. Yeah. I mean, you, you would like to, and I think, you know, Tomlin's tried with some guys, you know, to try to, you know, promote and, and, you know, obviously that happened with Matt Canada and we, we know how that, how that went. Um, but you know, we, we, we've seen, you know, him try to do some of those things. And, and honestly, the, the, the best, um, the, the best coaches that Tomlin has had, you know, have been established coaches in the past. Dick LeBeau is, you know, the best coordinator that's coached under Mike Tomlin. And obviously Dick who was already already a, a Hall of Fame coach uh, mm-hmm. before uh, Tomlin t- uh, took over for Bill Cower, and so uh, and LeBeau just cemented himself by you know winning another ring, um, you know once Tomlin took over and uh, almost won another one in in, in 2010, but um, you know and then Todd Haley obviously had had previous success and he was you know the, the offense played well granted. Lots of great players on offense at the time, but you know, still the offense clicked under Todd Haley, and but he was you know an established coach already. So um, I think all that matters is you know what what helps produce wins. And, and right now, the the Steelers are they haven't had losing seasons, so kudos to that. But obviously, they're not anywhere near where their goals are because their goals are to compete for Super Bowls, not to compete for nine and eight and. 10 and seven seasons and, you know, to make to the, make the playoffs and lose in the first round, they want to try to win Super Bowls, And so they've got to make changes. Uh, they have to make changes and that's exactly what they're doing right now. They are making changes. Uh, they are doing exactly what they need to do. Uh, should they have made some changes before? Should Matt Canada have never been promoted? Absolutely. Is Mike Tomlin going to bat a thousand as a coach? No, he's not. No coach does. Um, but as of right now, you can you can, we can sit here and dissect the past. The past is the past. The good thing is is that they're making changes, and hopefully those changes end up working out for the better this time around for the Steelers. Now, is this me reading too much into things, or hear me out? All of what we have been told by Art Rooney, Omar Khan, and Mike Tomlin, anybody that's talked this offseason, namely, of course, Rooney and Tomlin, have been talking about Kenny Pickett and the necessity for Kenny Pickett to improve. And I know we, we're trying to keep the, that position out of the airwaves for a brief moment because we hammered it so hard. I think it's last just, week it's going to be talked it's, about. It's unavoidable though. Until until somebody, it's just it, I just I, I'll, I'll I'll just interject real quick. Until it's talked, until it's done and over with. Until Mason Rudolph is re-signed. Until Ryan Tannehill signed. Until Justin Fields is traded for. Until whatever happens, <laughs> whatever happens, yep. it's going to be talked about. It's just it's and uh, like it gives everybody anxiety because this is just Sebastian Sanchez as a quarterback situation gives me anxiety. It's going to create anxiety and it's going to continue to do that. Buckle up because I'm looking over at my calendar right now. It's February 21st. We still got one, two, three, at least three more weeks until free agency. We're a ways away, man. It's, we're it's two months away and we're two months away from the draft. So 
where yeah. we, we got a slow roll on it. But let, let me just let me just put this out in the air, okay? Based on what Rooney and Tomlin have said, yeah, 53 quarterbacks. So that's what Vegas says, apparently. <laughs> the, based on what Rooney and Tomlin have said, and combine it now with the actions that have happened so far. Now, the four biggest pieces on the offensive staff that are closest to Kenny Pickett are all quarterback-centric. Arthur Smith, who had a very quarterback-friendly system in Tennessee. That's why Ryan Tannehill developed to be a pro bowler and was really good. Very good. Tom Arth, who played the position at the NFL level, backed up Peyton Manning, has a long history at, at, at the quarterback position, coaching the position. Matt Baker now, an offensive assistant, was a pro quarterback. And then Mike Sullivan, who has a very close relationship with Pickett. That's four names right there that are all linked very closely to the quarterback position that are now on this staff in, in succession with Arth, with, with Smith, Arth, Baker, and Sullivan. So I don't think there's a coincidence to all of that. Uh, you know, I, I'm thinking that just based on what we've heard and now the moves are making, like it just keeps sounding more like it's favoring Kenny Pickett. Call me crazy on that, but that's just what I'm reading into. No, I mean, it's again, you know, when you, when you look at the facts and you look at the evidence and, and you try to make common sense uh, out of what the Steelers are doing and what the Steelers have said, what Mike Tomlin has said, what Art Rooney II has said, all arrows point to Kenny Pickett being their primary guy in 2024. Again, doesn't mean they're blindly handing the reins over to him and saying, here you go, Kenny, it's your show no matter what. Nope, it's not that either. They they've also been very clear that there will be competition for for Kenny, whether that is Mason Rudolph or Ryan Tannehill or whatever other name you want to throw out there. Um, but yes, I mean the fact that a lot of what they've added centers around the quarterback is not a coincidence. Um, it's just, yeah, it's 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 not a coincidence, man. Like I. I the most likely scenario is that Kenny Pickett is the starting quarterback in 2024. I think everybody just needs to accept that. That's the most likely scenario. It doesn't mean as we sit right now here on Wednesday, February 21st, that that is 100% going to happen. A lot can happen from now on. And I think the Steelers are, um, are right to be open to any situation playing out. If all of a sudden the bears are like, yeah, that price that, you that we kind of laughed at before that you were willing to offer that, that, that package you're willing to offer before that we laughed at before. Well, now it's actually something that we're kind of willing to entertain. And then all of a sudden you maybe pull off a trade for Justin Fields. I'm again, throwing that out there as a hypothetical. I'm not pushing any kind of narrative or anything. Just saying as of right now, Kenny Pickett's more than likely the guy, but we have to see what happens with Mason Rudolph. That's the first, that's the first domino to fall in my mm -hmm. opinion. What happens with Mason Rudolph? Does he resign? Does he go somewhere else? At that point, we'll we'll have a much clearer picture of what's going to happen with the Steelers. Steven says, "Why do we have to baby feed Kenny when he was supposed to be pro ready? This is the bed the Steelers made. This is the bed that when you when you go back into the draft for a quarterback, when you draft a quarterback, you make that bed and you lie in it for four years, maybe five. Like, okay, Patrick Mahomes was drafted what eleventh by Kansas City." In, in, you know, five, six, seven, however many years ago it was, Alex Smith was still the starting quarterback of the Chiefs. Like, they had Alex Smith still in the building, and they, they started Alex Smith out the gate. Like, if Patrick Mahomes didn't pan out, obviously the Chiefs wouldn't be where they are. 
But look at the bus, okay? Look at the Jamarcus Russells and the Ryan Leafs and all those guys of the world that are drafted first, second, fifth, whatever it is overall, very, 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 very highly and don't pan out. That's the bed that these teams make. That's why these teams, you know, look at the Browns. You know, people make the meme out of the Browns with the with the jersey and having, you know, however many quarterbacks it's been since 1999. People make the meme out of that. That's what happens when you fail to get the good quarterback in the draft. That's what happens when you swing and miss on the quarterback in the draft. Now, I don't think the Steelers have completely swung and missed just yet. I think right now they're they're kind of in the ninth. They're about the eighth or ninth inning right now with with a couple of outs on the board, with an out on the board, maybe like two outs in the eighth inning right now when it comes to Kenny Pickett. Mm-hmm. But this is the bed you make when you go into the draft for a quarterback for the next however many years, three, four, five years. The entire structure of the team changes. Because Kenny Pickett's on a rookie deal, because he's so affordable right now, they are able to pay T.J. Watt big money and make a big money and Alex Highsmith big money and Cam big money, etc. And because that Kenny Pickett is on a rookie contract, they're able to go allocate money elsewhere. When you go and pay the big money for the quarterback, you have to go the opposite way with the other stuff. Then you have to draft and develop really well at your other positions. And as Chris and I have talked about over the last two weeks here, the Steelers, Sands, maybe the 2023 class, have not over the last handful of years. So this is just business. This is why, why do they have to baby feed Kenny? Because this is the bet they chose to make when they drafted him in the first round of 2022. It became all about Kenny Pickett for the next, for 2022. I'll be right back. Phone call. 2022, 2023, 2024, 2025. I got one, I got one ringing, but I'm going to mute mine. Chris, Chris will be right back. Um, That's why. So, it, it, when you're in the when you're in the cyclical process, it, what about time management replay? It's like that's not a, I mean about Mike Tomlin or about Kenny. I, I I need a little more specific on that, Luigi. But when you're a team that's going into the draft or signing a free agent quarterback or just making a change at the quarterback position, that's a team wide commitment. That is a committal process where you're allocating funds to one thing or the other. You're either paying the big bucks, the top dollar for the quarterback, or you're paying the big bucks for anything else on the roster to help supplement the quarterback that's on a cheap deal. So that's why. And if this Kenny Pickett thing doesn't work out, spoiler, we're going to be sitting here a year from now talking about whether it has or has not, or is trending towards it will, or trending towards it will not. By this time next year, we'll be talking about whether the Steelers pick up the 50-year option on Kenny Pickett. So. I, I think that when what I've been talking about the whole Justin Fields and Kirk Cousins thing, yeah, you can do all of that, but you have to make the business make sense as well on that. Hope everything's good with you, Chris. Everything's good. Um, Had to take the phone call. I could not, could not let, like let go. It's an offer he couldn't refuse. <laughs> it's an offer he could not refuse. Hmm. Um, do you have anything to add on on why they are uh, in in words of the chat babying? I will say catering to. Kenny Pickett. Uh, I mean, you want to make sure that. Uh, what's the best way I can put this? Um, you just you got it. The Steelers are going to try to do everything they can to make sure to make sure that 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 pick is either a good pick or a bad pick. And two years. Um, <laughs> Rick says it here. To be honest, I just want Chris to admit he's wrong if Kenny pans out. Hey. I will happily be happy to admit when I'm wrong. And, and listen, I'm not saying that Kenny's a bust. I, I've never, I've never made that. Uh, 
uh, Turk, uh, that was not Omar. Sorry. <laughs> um, He's got it out for us now. No, but um, uh, I, I've never, I've never called Kenny bus, but I've been obviously very critical of some of the traits that he's shown over the first two seasons. And the fact that we haven't seen the growth that we need to see from year one to year two, specifically um, there. When you look at what Kenny's, what Kenny's done well so far, he doesn't turn the ball over. That's good. Um, he uh, is obviously very, very good in the fourth quarter. So he's a gamer. He comes through. He, he raises his game to another level when when the game is on the line. That's good. Um, just about everything else is kind of a work in progress. Still, at least at the pro level. Obviously, the pocket presence is a, is a big is a big work in progress. Hitting in breaking routes consistently is an, is a work in progress. Um you know, he, he, you know, there's a lot of other little bitty like film room type stuff that I can go get into that. I really don't want to right now. And Frank, but and that's the thing is that Frank, you know, point correctly points out here. He doesn't score touchdowns. I've been very, like very, very clear here that again, like for the people that really, really like hate on Deontay Johnson for not scoring any touchdowns in 2022. Well, then you should also be very, very critical of Kenny Pickett, not, throwing any touchdowns either um now we can pin that on the coordinator we can just say okay now it's a new coordinator let's reset now we can properly evaluate whatever um but when when you do when you make the changes that they're making it's okay here's the base here's what we know from kenny that he does well he doesn't turn the ball over but he's not throwing touchdowns well let's see if we can do this 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 and this to see if we can get get him to start unlocking that, to start moving the needle a little bit more in terms of scoring points. If they make all these changes, they bring in an experienced offensive coordinator who's had success turning a guy like Ryan Tannehill, who was here and he became up here. If all of that happens and Kenny still can't figure it out, then you have your answer. You have your bona fide in answer, clad in stone, ironclad in stone, whatever, to say, Kenny's not it. That's just, it's a missed pick on our, on, on our end, but at least you can go like lay your head, lay your, you know, lay your, you lay your head on your pillow at night and be like, and not be wondering like, mm, what if we did this? And what if he ended up panning out? At least they give it the old college try. Got to put the cards on the table. Yeah. You have to put all the cards on the, when you pick a quarterback in the first round, you have to put all of the cards on the table before you fold. You have to see any, every possibility that you have in front of you. You have to see the entire deck. You have to see your entire hand. You have to see the river. You have to see, you have to count cards. You have to cheat in some ways, I guess. Legal tampering, of course. Uh, looking at looking and seeing and listening and hearing. You have to know tells. You have to know all of this stuff. And then you still have to get it right. Uh, Brent, thank you for the five gifted. We greatly appreciate that. Uh, thank you for that. If you got one for Brent, make sure you drop a thank you in the comments section. Uh, DK and Ramon will be coming up in about 30 minutes or so. Big day in Pittsburgh. Uh, of course, uh, you know, Steelers talk, but Kyle Dubas talking, Penguins GM, and then uh, Pirates. Uh, quite an expose published on the Pirates uh, elsewhere today. Not, not that it was really anything that we didn't know before. Not anything we didn't know, but people outside might be looking like, <laughs> what happened to the Pirates? Here's your answer. It's not but what happened to the Pirates. It's what's been happening with the Pirates since 1993. Minus a couple gaps. Minus One a gap, gap. In between 2013 One gap. and 2015. One gap. That's it. There's oh. no... Yeah. There's no, I mean, I, I was born in 1987. I barely remember listening to one of the games from the, from the NLCS in 1992 on like 
I was in the car with my dad listening to, to one of the games between the Pirates and Braves in the NLCS in 92. Remember listening to it. That's about all I remember. I also remember going to a game at Shea Stadium, my first baseball game I ever went to, saw Barry Bonds on deck really up close. It was really cool. That's my That was my only memory for the longest time of being able to watch any kind of Pirates baseball that meant anything until <laughs> 2013. And then 13, 14, 15, Nice little stretch of three seasons where they were competitive. Uh, 15, they won 98 games. They looked like a team that could could make a deep playoff run. Didn't happen. You know, you get the you, you get Jake Arrieta in, in the wild card game, and, you know, it is what it is. But we, we know what's been happening for the Pirates for a long time. Yeah. It's, it's just, uh, it's just, it's unfortunate for, for people who grew up, um, for people who grew up watching, watching this team and, yeah. <laughs> I don't think I was born yet when the slide happened. I have to go back and look at an exact date, but I don't think I was born yet when that happened. Don't bring up that slide, man. You're going to get the chat mad at you. Oh. Don't bring I, it up. I, I don't know any difference. So that was I 92, just, by the way. So if you were born if you were born after 92, then no, you were not alive. Well, I was born in 92, but it's a I, it depends on what day that NLCS game 7 was. It would have been October. I don't know the date specifically. Are you born in October? I was born in October of 92. Oh, well, I don't know. I don't remember. That's what I mean. That's what yeah. I mean. I don't know if I was born. I don't know if I was alive for the slide yet or not. I know. I know I was born on an NFL Sunday, but I don't remember which one. <laughs> so I'll have to go back and look. I don't, I don't, I don't know like what week, you know, or, or what, you know, game. I have to double check it. But anyway. All right. DK and Ramon in about 25 minutes or so here at DK Pittsburgh Sports. Remember you can find us where podcasts are found. Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify. Please like, share, subscribe. That helps us go a very long way. Pittsburgh Toddy says he broke his hand on a recycling bin after the 92 Braves Bucks series and Bream was out. We'll be out as well. We'll be back tomorrow. This has been the Southside Beat. He's Chris. I'm Corey. Have a good one, everybody. Cheers.